0: Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Prolific authors, I am here with author Clarissa Gosling. How are you today, Clarissa? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good. How are you? Good. (laughs) I'm great. Hey, I'm here. I actually am recovering from a cold, so my voice is a little bit scratchy today, but that's okay. We're gonna push through. Um, So why don't you start by telling everyone who you are and what you write?
1: I am uh, British, but I live in the Netherlands, and I write YA fantasy. Although I've also written two nonfiction books about being an expat and having children and living abroad. Interesting. So my, I have two series for some reason, uh, two, fan, two fiction series. Some reason, which made sense at the time, I decided to alternate releases in two series. So I'm writing one series that is about dragons and the third book in that series will publish in October. And then I'm writing one series, which is about Fae and the last book in that series will publish next year. Nice. So they, they're funny. both trilogies and they have two books out and the third one is on their way.
0: <laughs> so um, tell me about the YA aspect of it. Why do you write YA rather than adult, do you think? I don't
1: know. I That period of life when you're you know, you you're starting it's like you're starting out and it's just a really exciting time to to i mean for me to to look back on on what i was like then and to think about about mm-hmm. how you've got all the possibilities open to you and it, it's that transition period from being a child uh, where your other people are responsible for you into being an adult when you're responsible for yourself and trying right. to find out where you fit and what you can do. What are your talents? What are you good at? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? And I just mm-hmm. think that's a really exciting period of life. And then you know, I've always loved fantasy. So you put that in like magic and dragons and, and whatever <laughs> else.
0: And it's just it's just fun, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, no, I actually am writing a dragon fantasy too. So I totally feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so because you write so much fantasy, you must be really big on world building then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I love so, world building. <laughs> yeah, tell us tell us about your world building. Tell us about your your process for it and what you include in it, and anything else you want to tell us. I'm not really sure. I have a process, and it's it, it's funny because
1: I think living abroad really helps with me. Th- not necessarily helps me think about world building, but it reflecting on the fact that I live abroad has made me realize how that impacts my world building, hmm. because. Yeah, so much of, of culture and expectations are kind of baked into society. And most people aren't aware of them. And yet you go somewhere that is different, even if it's not completely different, there are always some things that are different. And that just makes right. you more aware of how things work, and what you can change, and it still work. Hmm. So I, I vividly remember the first time I went to a supermarket in the United States to buy milk. It is a simple thing. And it was just so overwhelming and so different from what I was used to in the UK that I, I almost didn't buy any milk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wanted like one or two pints of semi-skimmed milk and nothing that I saw in the, in the fridge, in the, in the counter, at all resembled what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Because they're all huge, like gallon pint, gallon jugs. And, and then right. it's like, do I want 2% fat or 4% fat? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and added calcium and added vitamin E. Well, that sounds good, but do I need it? You know, anyway. So, so how do you relate to that, like that, that? Yeah. You, you, writing fantasy, there is no reason for anything to be the same as it is here. Hmm. You can change everything. But you need to find the... Ba- the problem is if you change everything, then you have to explain everything to the right. reader. And that can get very disconcerting and it takes up a lot of time and you're doing a lot of essentially info dumping that then they, the reader is then going, well, this is boring, nothing's happening. I don't need right. to know yeah. that all the colors are called different things um, or whatever. So <sighs> you can then you then, and it's sort of exciting and scary that you can change everything and yet you don't want to change too much and finding that balance between what's familiar and what's unfamiliar. Hmm. So in my Dragon series, I have changed how they use time. So hmm. I, I hypothesize that in, in, the, in this world, they use water clocks. And so the words they use for measures of time are based on amounts of water interesting so you have a, a drip for just like a little drip and you have a dram that's a bit bigger and then i had to make up a word that's a drogue for then a lot longer period of time but the the theory is in my head there's never actually explained anywhere in the books i just use the 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 terms as as is appropriate and tried to be consistent with myself. So that, that um, the, the the theory is there that it's all based on water clocks and every so often they go somewhere and there is a water clock. And you can get some really cool water clocks. I had great fun researching water clocks and different types <laughs> of things. Um, so that sort of adds a little bit of depth, I suppose, right. into the the stories that and it's fun for me even if none of the readers ever pick up on that.
0: So yeah, yeah. So um, something you said there that was kind of interesting was that you never actually explain it in your book. You just use it in a functional way. So, I mean, how important do you think that is? And how fast do you think the readers kind of pick up on the system?
1: I mean, it's a very small thing. You know, you say, okay, I'll be there in a dram, and it doesn't really matter if. If they know that I mean a minute or if they know that I mean a second, because you get that it's a period of time, you know, I'll be there in a little bit. And it's a very small point because, Mm. you know, I, I didn't think that it needed a lot of explanation because the words are always used in places where the meaning is obvious, even if the word is different. They can still say, "Okay, that must be a period of time," because of how it's used and and where I've used it before. And it it's not used that frequently. It's not as if it's something that's used every chapter or every page right. or something, right? So, and it I didn't think it was that important. And you know, the other thing is, I'm trying to write this in deep point of view, and it's it's from the the point of view of the character, and she knows what they mean. Right, right. So I, she's not going to be sitting there thinking, oh, yes, well, there's 60 jumps in a tram, and then there's 60 jumps. Yeah. So it's like her trying to do the calculation, because she knows. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. There, so do always... you think... I was going to say, do you think then maybe the rule of thumb would be that if the character already knows what it means, you shouldn't have to explain it? I think it depends. You've got to be very aware
1: of... You're writing in the character's point of view, but you also need it to make sense to the reader. Right. And there is always that duality. I think that's really where where beta readers and critique partners and, and editors can really help because yeah. they can say, hang on a minute, this bit doesn't make sense. <laughs> what on earth do you mean? Right. Or no, 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 you've gone far too much detail over this and how it works and and just, just step back a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So have you ever had a reader ask you about it or approach you about any part of world building? Um, I haven't had a reader do it, but I did have one of my beta
1: readers who came and was like, hey, you know, dram is a real word. And I'm like, yes, I know it's a real word. It's a unit of measurement. It's a measurement of liquid. (laughs) And that's purposefully why I'm using it. (laughs)
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So did you explain it to them or what did they say? (laughs) But that was about the end of our our conversation. So we we didn't go
1: into it much more
0: detail. So So what about, um, tell us about like, what types of world building do you think about when you're crafting your worlds?
1: I have the basic sort of, okay, this world, like my my dragon world, this has um, a large island. It has like four separate areas in it and it has a big mountain range through the middle. That's fairly key to the story. And Mm -hmm. the rest of it, I sort of built up depending on what I needed for the story. So it has the four different um, lands, the four different groups of people, and they all have a different ethos, a different community feel. So one of them is more nomadic, so they don't have really um, set towns or villages because they mostly move around. Right. One of them has really one big city and the rest of the time they're In little villages scattered through the the forest around it one of them has more yeah and the other two have more cities and more towns and they're more a little bit more feudal Mm -hmm. whereas my my other series the fae series it's essentially in a forest because the fae are, are forest creatures and they have in my series i have five courts so they're all named after different types of light. So there's starlight and sunlight and dawnlight and dusk light and um, oh goodness, I've forgotten what the other one is called. (laughs) Starlight and sunlight and dawnlight and dusk light and moonlight, of course it's moonlight. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Momentary (laughs) Um, thing there. Okay, and So they each live within a mound that's like literally like a little hill. And then you Mm -hmm. go in and then again, inside is all slightly different. So depending on the different courts. Yeah. So again, I had the basic premise of, okay, you've got these five hills in a forest. And the other cool thing about it is is the forest moves. So it never stays the same. So you have the five courts and and in the center of it is this big market, the fair, And there are paths from the courts to the fair, but otherwise everything else in the forest changes and flexes and is, is different. So.
0: Interesting. So you don't have anything like a particular thing that you always go through for world building. You just kind of do the world building based on what your story needs.
1: No, I do a lot of, of brainstorming and thinking about the story. And as the story develops, then I add in more things, but no, I don't have one of those set formulas and I don't do that for characters either I mean I just look at them and just like no I can't do this
0: (laughs) yeah okay so so tell us a little bit more about your writing process about how you actually you know go through and and get them written
1: Mm, well I think I've done a different process for every book that I've written so I can tell you what I'm doing for this book okay um I for. When I first started, I was like a big, you know, everybody says, don't edit as you write, just write it and then get to the end and then edit it. And I did that. And then I had a whole book to edit. And that was incredibly um, intimidating and difficult and also coincided with COVID and everything shutting down and the kids having to homeschool and me trying to edit my book at the same time as managing my children, trying to do their work. And it was just all a bit of a nightmare. But it got done and the children did their work and I got my book ready and it came out on time and that was the important thing. But I still found it incredibly intimidating to have this whole book to Mm -hmm. edit. So what I'm working with, with the one that I'm writing at the moment is I've been cycling it. So I do a few chapters. I haven't been very strict about how many, and then I will go through it again and add into it. I tend to write short, so I'm going into it and I'm looking at it and can I add in more description, can I add in more you know, movement, can I add in more emotion and those things because you know, it's very much action and dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going through and, and adding in more to it, so that then I have a fuller draft so then when I come back and look at it, when I've got the whole draft. I can then it's more just the the line edits and the copy edits that will be needed rather than having to go through a whole manuscript and add in all the description and all the emotion and all of the (laughs) everything else all in one go across everything.
0: Yeah, you know, I actually agree with that. I think um getting through the manuscript the first time and not editing is really good advice for first time Mm -hmm. writers because so many of them have trouble finishing that first manuscript, but I'm the same way. I actually have a cycle that I do on each chapter. And by doing that, once I get to the end, I actually have very little editing to do. It's mostly like continuity and flow. And, you know, of course, a few typos that I've missed, but yeah, I I feel the same way. Like the idea of editing an entire book, it's just like, Oh yeah, I'd rather do it piecemeal. And then it makes it easier, (laughs) at least for me. (laughs) So yeah, I do understand that.
1: And I do outline. So I'm fairly confident that I have the flow of the story and I know what's going to happen. And it's that the story as a whole is, is paste and, and hitting the the beats and everything else. Yeah. So it, it's not I'm not and anticipating I, that I'm gonna be cutting up and rearranging and, and doing lots of that at the end.
0: Right. I was just gonna say I I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, that's probably easier for outliners to edit that way than it is for panthers who are still trying to discover their story. So yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are some some
1: who have the, the story structure and everything so ingrained and like intuitive yeah. within them that they
0: they can do it that way. Right. Right. So do you have a particular example of how you, you know, took something from living abroad and, you know, translated it into your book like like the milk or, or some other example? I'm not sure I have a specific example. As I said, it's
1: more like a mindset and the idea that, that things can be different. Um, I know the Dutch are all sorts of um, interesting people and, you know, they have a whole load of traditions that I, I never heard of or, you know, and even things that they do the same. So like Christmas, they celebrate Christmas here, but Christmas isn't presents. Hmm. I owe presents come with Sinterklaas which is a few weeks beforehand. Christmas is more about family and church and a big meal and it is getting more Americanized and more presents and some people are choosing to to do presents then but the the traditional Dutch tradition um, is
0: yeah a big meal and, and time with the family. So do you take a lot of um, traditions that you come across when you travel and put them into your books or um, do you take other kinds of inspiration from them?
1: Yeah, and I try to take inspiration from, from lots of places. Um, I'm not sure I can necessarily pinpoint, oh yes, this one thing that came from from there. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's all a bit, you know, mashed up in my head. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I think most writers are like that. You take bits and pieces yeah. and twist them around and kind of make them your own and all of that.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it it's a way that I can look at expectations and then think about how to change them rather than necessarily taking something that's done here and and putting it into to books. Although I do have a book that I, as you know I'm planning a series for like I don't know how many years I've got so many books I want to write right but yeah. I, I I have like a, a mermaid series I want to write that that mm. will take a lot more inspiration from the Dutch and and um like the area where we live was one of the or near the area here was one that as a defense in like medieval times or maybe not medieval times but a, a, a way of defending Amsterdam was that there are certain parts of the land that you couldn't build on because they would be flooded so if there's an Ah. invading army you know there aren't any mountains or hills or or you know the the natural defenses that you would have in other lands but there's a lot of water so there are areas that you know there's a whole ring around amsterdam that would be flooded yeah and you weren't allowed to build on it because you know um as a defense it doesn't have the best track record (laughs) <laughs> because it it takes time to do, right? Yeah, I <laughs> and can see that. the point at which you go, okay, yes, actually, we've got to flood it, and then the point at which the soldiers are actually there to stop them is not necessarily a thing, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work when it's cold and it all ices over because then they can just walk right. of the ice. Um, <laughs> but you no, know, there are some really cool things like that, and um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a region just just north of here where they built up the ground. So all the villages are on like little humps so that when it flooded, they would still be out of right. the thing but they still get the flooding and all the extra nutrients in all the um, land in all the mm-hmm. fields. So yeah, there are some some cool things that I want to introduce in some of my books, but not,
0: I know which one they're going in, but it's not i get the Question is when you'll get around to writing them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, I'm writing these two series and
1: then I know what my next series is going to be. And it should
0: be the one after that. <laughs> okay. No, I, I totally feel you. Yeah, I'm exactly the same <laughs> way. Um, well, great. This, is, this has been a really fun conversation. So what advice would you give to newbie authors who are you know, struggling with world building?
1: Um, I would say think about what could be different you know, and what the implications of that are. Mm. Because it's not just that things work differently, but thing people think about things differently. Yeah, you know, the, the right. Dutch have this lovely tradition. When you finish high school, if you pass your exams, you hang your bag on the flagpole. You hang your school bag on the flagpole. So when it's like the middle of May, when all the exam results are shared, you can walk down the street and you can know, oh look, my neighbor's kid. Oh yeah, they've passed their exams. Next time I see them, I can congratulate them. Oh. But which is lovely. And it's great because, you know, they don't need their school bag anymore. They can hang it out and right. leave there for a few days. And it's lovely to walk down the street and see all of the, the bags out and the flags and everything and put it with it. But what that means is that every house or at least every house that has had a teenager living in it has a flagpole. Hmm. Even if it's just like a little diagonal cup that sits on the wall. You know, Right you have a row of terraced houses and they have flagpoles you have flats in a block of flats and they have flagpoles
0: yeah that's cool which,
1: yeah which is cool and it's amazing and it's an implication of something that you wouldn't necessarily think of. so everything right. can have implications and you can take it as deep as you
0: like but mm. um yeah it, it's, it's how it works yeah. The other thing that's always funny that I always think about too is um having taken archaeology classes and seeing that they always read into things like this. So it'd just be funny if somebody found the ruins of something like that and they would be like, these were super patriotic people. They all have flagpoles and really it was just to hang the school yeah. bags on, you know. Yeah. so those are kind of fun to play with too (laughs) yeah oh I had a great idea
1: and I never really worked it up and I'm probably not going to write it but for somebody who you know and like an archaeological story where they come back and they find like our current system and they find all the things and the roads and like the traffic lights and they just and the, all their hypotheses for what they all mean is just like completely different right <laughs> you know like the traffic lights are a symbol of their god and their worships and like the three points and the three colors and everything um but
0: yeah yeah it's true <laughs> you can have a lot of fun do, with that so yeah <laughs> yeah definitely definitely well that's great so where can my listeners find you and, and your writing and connect with you sure well i am am mostly on tiktok
1: at the moment where i am clarissa gosling you can also find out information about all my books and links to where you can get them on my website which is clarissagosling.com
0: okay great i will make sure and link those up in the show notes so that everybody can come find you and you know do you do you do anything with with world building at all on tiktok i'm just curious
1: no, I haven't really done anything with world building on TikTok. I do use World Anvil, which I should okay. do more on. So I do have some of my worlds are available on World Anvil. I have so much I need to do on those that um, it's just yeah. on my to-do list, but always gets pushed <laughs> off. But I do have, um, and well, if you're looking for for world building, then World Anvil is a great place. and it has um, a lot of resources and the the templates for all the different things on there because it's a it's a world-building site if you haven't heard of it
0: yeah yeah I have but yeah I will link it up in the notes for anybody who wants to go to it I haven't used it too much but I've been wanting Mm. to get on there and explore it more because I keep hearing about how great it is
1: yeah and it's sort of like a stylized wiki so you can add in like however much information you want on your own but it's also got templates so if you want to If what you're writing about is a character or a place, then it has various prompts that you can then put in. Okay, this is what the person looked like. So this is what the place looks like. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, they've got like, I don't know, 15 different templates and things. And they also have a really helpful and and supportive um, community around it as well. Good. And you can do really fancy stuff with it, but I just... um, using it more as like a, a world bible so it has yeah. all of my information in it so i i do make some of it available for people to to see um but there is other stuff that's hidden that only i can see
0: right <laughs> which is useful you know when you're mm-hmm. in the middle of still writing your story <laughs> yes or when
1: you you're writing in things that you don't want the, necessarily people to, to know about yet
0: right yeah <laughs> accidentally publish it and be like oh you didn't see anything take that away yes yeah <laughs> Great, great. Well, thanks again for being here and good luck with all of your writing. And um, yeah, thanks for talking to us about world building. Yeah, you're welcome. Me again, before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network and tag me at LK Hill books. Remember the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.